Greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio. Yes, I do have a cold. It's I, I get it every stinking year. I've not been shaking hands with people uh, since the pandemic started. And this past weekend, I was in a situation and I did. And I'm paying for it. I think... You know, I've been pretty fanatical about washing my hands. No, I'm not wearing a mask, and you can judge me for it all you want, but I've been very careful uh, to not shake hands with people, and, and everybody is respectful of it, but this past weekend I was in a situation, and um, one right after another, people were extending their hand, and I, it just it felt impolite uh, in this situation to refuse, and I'm now wishing I had, but I didn't. Hey, thanks for clicking play. My name is Randy Cantrell. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. That is the name of this podcast. I'm going to reprise. Well, I'm not reprising the show. I'm, I'm going to kind of redo this, but I first recorded this on November the 20th, 2014. Yeah, long time ago. We'll talk about it next. That's what you do when you need to go blow your nose off mic. <laughs> Say, yeah, we'll do this next. Dealing with a false accuser. Hey, welcome inside the yellow studio. I'm glad that you're here. See if we can make sense of all this. You remember that podcast serial? Well, the podcast serial, which took the world by storm, uh, it was about two months old when I first had these these thoughts and jotted down some show notes and whatnot about dealing with a false accuser. And it was sparked at the time largely because of the phenom that was serial, the podcast. It was done by the creators of this American life hosted by Sarah Koenig. And it was a big hit. It was a huge hit. Uh, if, if you haven't listened to it, you should, uh, their website described the show this way. Serial will follow one story, a true story, over the course of a whole season. We'll follow the plot and characters wherever they take us, and we won't know what happens at the end of the story until we get there, not long before you get there with us. Each week we'll bring you the latest chapter, so it's important to listen in order, starting with episode one. And in typical fashion of some other extraordinary storytelling podcast, uh, it is now a retired show. In fact, it it was retired when I recorded these thoughts back in 2014. There was a a show called The Story with Dick Gordon, and I I was a fan of, of that. Admittedly, Serial... What Serial did for podcasting, well, it did a lot of things for podcasting, not the least of which it it had it had really high, 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 high end production elements. Uh, it did have a compelling story for sure. In fact, the website says this: It's Baltimore, nineteen ninety nine. Hey, man, Lee, a popular high school senior, disappears after school one day. Six weeks later, detectives arrest her classmate and ex boyfriend. 
Anid Syed for her murder. He says he's innocent, though he can't exactly remember what he was doing on that January afternoon, but someone can. A classmate at Woodlawn High School says she knows where um, Adnan, what did I say? I think I mispronounced his name the first time, uh, where Adnan was. The trouble is she's nowhere to be found. It's, it's, it's compelling. As a podcast listener, you have likely already listened to it. Um, that first season of Serial, it, it, you know, it focused on this single accuser named Jay. And Jay tells the police a story with very vivid details about how uh, Adnan murdered his ex-girlfriend, Hay. But there's no DNA. There's no other hard evidence. And a jury quickly convicts him of first-degree murder. And so, really, the podcast is is all about this journey of, is Jay telling the truth? I mean, what about the other testimony that came out during the trial? Uh, Sarah, the host of the show, she reveals how so-called facts can be used and misused when accusations are made. We've got a number of trials that are underway in America right now, and people are following with some interest. You know, what? what's right? What's wrong? What's true? What's not true? Is Jay a false accuser? Is Adnan... He's in this Maryland maximum security prison at the time that the show was produced serial. I mean, not much he could do other than continue to proclaim his innocence, which he did. Um, but then, you know, as I was thinking about this back in 2014, there's quite a lot that he can do quite a lot that any of us can do. If we are falsely accused inside our own head, doesn't mean it's profitable. He could he could grow increasingly angry and bitter and resentful and cynical. And I mean, who could blame him? There's been an awful lot written about false, false accusations and how people respond to that and how other people judge people who may be falsely accused. But for me, it kind of begins with why do people falsely accuse? And this is really ancient stuff. I mean, come on, it goes back to the very beginning. According to the Genesis record of the Old Testament, the very first false accusation was the devil. He's disguised as a serpent. And he lies about God to Adam and Eve. He makes a, he makes a false accusation about God. Well, talk about go big or go home. God had warned Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and God pronounced a punishment. He said, if you do, thou shalt surely die. Well, now that's pretty clear, easy to understand. And yet along comes the devil and simply inserts the word not. And he tells Adam and Eve, you will not surely die. And from that moment forward, the number of false accusations is, well, I don't suppose there's a computer large enough that can compute it all. Christians understand the biblical truth that Christ was crucified on the basis of false accusations. He was not guilty of the things that they charged him with. And the Bible says that it was for envy. Well, that's an ancient motive. That's a very ancient motive for false accusation, jealousy, envy. 
In the Old Testament, the ninth commandment of the ten is thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Then why do people do it? I wish I was smart enough to know the answer, but I don't. I wish I was smart enough to just figure out and understand all the many reasons for it. And not that there can be reasons, but I mean, gotta be something behind it, right? But I do think that we've all got a few good ideas based on our own experiences, because I don't care who you are and I don't care where you live. And I don't care really, I don't even so much care about how old you are. You have experienced being falsely accused. Kids are falsely accused all the time, right? You know, why did you do that? Well, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do it, you know, but boy, all signs make it look like you did, but sometimes we get it wrong as parents, as adults in their life. Judas betrayed Christ for some money. And I, that continues to be a big player for some, I think greed and covetousness. I mean, these are major drivers for a lot of people. All you got to do is read any story about some bitter divorce. You know, it is manifested big time in divorce courtrooms all over the world, I suppose. And we can take clips from serial and we can hear where people use some kernels of truth and they mix it in with gobs of deceit so that they can spin this accusation. And so it can play to their favor. In an ugly divorce battle, a husband, maybe he wants to hang on to more of his wealth and the wife, she wants to gain more of it. And so both of them can amplify the negative behaviors of the other, right? A lot of finger pointing and rock throwing and all that. Dollars, dollars absolutely drive deceit, finger pointing. You would think it would just be child's play, but it's not because grownups do it all the time. You know, all the stories that we've seen on TV, you know, of the cellmate who enters the courtroom saying he heard a confession that never did happen, testifies against this defendant, his cellmate in exchange for a lighter sentence or some other benefit that he can get completely fabricates something. Sure. Of course it happens. And sometimes finger pointing can be even more sinister when the guilty person deflects their own bad actions by falsely accusing somebody else. I mean, it's, it, it's a great turn of the tables, right? Smacks a little bit about what defense attorneys call plan B, right? The practice of, we want to give the judge, we want to give the jury some other plausible scenario that involves somebody else other than my client. So it's a plan B strategy. And it can be super effective. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot of moving parts to this whole false accusation stuff. It, it has been proven. I've, I've read a number of, of, of studies and research as human beings. We largely are not really great at discerning a lie. And we probably aren't real great. This is just me. We probably aren't real great at discerning lies because we probably tend to believe the lies that we want to believe. And then we don't believe the truth that we don't want to believe. If you don't think so, then, Hey, come on, just enter the fray of the pro or anti vaccine quandary, right? People believe what they want to believe. Those that are pro 
believe things that they read and research and whatnot. And those that are against believe propaganda, whatever they, you know, whatever we believe, what we choose to believe. That's the bottom line. Hatred and other emotions. Well, those can certainly drive some to falsely accuse jealousy, envy, contempt, vengeance. I mean, I don't know, name whatever negative emotion that you want to name. And it has been, and it is currently a driver behind false accusations. But the real reason, the bottom line behind why people falsely accuse others, I think is pretty straightforward. And it's why I chose to kind of reprise this today, because last week I talked to you about, you know, are we going to be helpful? Are we going to be harmful? But I think the real reason, the real bottom line behind why people falsely accuse others is straightforward. And that is to harm them. We do it to hurt people. We do it to harm people. False accusers are determined to inflict harm and pain on the people they accuse. And more specifically, well, you know, are are the motives other than that really terribly important? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there certainly could be, there can be money. There can be jealousy. There can be envy. There can be greed. There can, there can be all kinds of things, but it seems to me that that's really the end all be all the end all be all is we just want to make their life worse. And that certainly is possible for us to do if we, if we base what we're doing on deceit and lies, which is what false accusations are. And then there's that, you know, there's this whole conversation about, okay, suffering wrongly or suffering rightly. According to the scripture, governments exist to maintain order and to punish wrongdoers. And yet sometimes governments get it wrong. Enter the innocence project. You've heard of this project. It's been going on for years and years and years. It, when DNA really came to the forefront scientifically and you know where the science caught up, the Innocence Project defines itself as a national litigation and public policy organization that is dedicated to exonerating wrongfully convicted individuals. It largely does that through DNA testing, and they have been attempting for years and years and still are attempting to reform the criminal justice system so that innocent people can avoid being convicted. According to their website, And again, these are numbers that go back to 2014. I I should have updated them, but I didn't. And the Innocence Project began in 1992. And at the time that I first did a show like this in 2014, they had exonerated 321 people. I'm certain it's higher now. Proof that governments sometimes get it wrong. And just because it's a government doesn't mean that their motives are always honorable. But they don't always get it wrong. There are guilty criminals that are convicted every day for their crimes. If society is dangerous, it is made much safer because some people do suffer rightfully. That is, they deserve, they deserve their punishment. They have been accused, not falsely. They have been accused rightly and they have been convicted rightly. False accusations disrupt the system of justice. Because now people are suffering wrongly. Now people are, they are suffering punishment that they don't deserve. First Peter chapter three, verse 17 kind of leaps out to me as a Christian. 
For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You know, so as bad as it would be to suffer under the false accusation, that is better than suffering because you're guilty, right? And that makes sense. It, it, if the main character in Serial, Adnan, if he, if he is innocent, if he is stuck in prison, that's terrible. But if he's guilty of murdering his ex-girlfriend, that's worse. Now, it doesn't make the suffering, the injustice, it doesn't make that necessarily any easier. In fact, in many ways, it makes it more difficult. Because when you're falsely accused, you know you're not guilty, but other people may not know it. Other people may not believe it, no matter what you say, no matter what you do. So coping with the injustice is hard. It's hard, and I think all of us know this because certainly we have all experienced degrees of injustice in our own lives. I mean, I know it's happened to me, and I'm not talking about all these teenage drama sessions, you know, or these preteen versions. I'm not talking about me as a kid. You know, kid, as kids, we're not the most perceptive people on the planet. And I guess when I'm, when I first listened to serial back in 2014, that made the story of, of that inaugural season of, of, it just made it more disturbing. I mean, come on, these people, they were 17 years old or so when the drama unfolded and I have no idea what all that looked like in real, in, in reality, but I've been 17 before. I mean, we've seen it. Maybe we've even been part of it. And thankfully for most of us, those youthful dramas, they were not nearly as serious as what serial was putting forth a murder charge. You know, when you're a kid, the stakes seem high because, well, you're a kid, right? I mean, the impending test, it can just seem like the way to the world. Will she, if I ask her out, will she say, yes, that's, you know, well, there's a life-changing drama. All you know is what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And your view of the world as a kid, as a teenager, is pretty small, really. Right? I mean, your your world is not this huge, big world. It's it's just it's kind of you. It's your high school. It's your classmates. It's It's pretty small. And that makes a false accusation. Well, you, you know, hey, Randy likes Sarah. When Randy doesn't like Sarah. And it can just seem like a devastating thing. I mean, words traveling like wildfire. And it's like, how did this get started? I don't, you know, and it's not that I dislike Sarah. It's just that I'm, people are acting like we're, we've got this thing and there is no thing. And the funny thing is just a year or two later, and it just seems laughable, but boy, in real time, it's a big deal, right? Because kids can be cruel. Well, I've lived long enough on the planet now at this age to tell you that adults can behave far more sinister when it comes to, if you think kids can be cruel, uh, you don't know nothing. The stakes can be much higher too when you're adults because careers can be ruined. Marriages can be ruined. All kinds of things can be, lives can be ruined. I don't know how old I was when it first dawned on me that things are not always what they seem. You know, a man goes to lunch with a group of women from work. It's completely innocent until a friend of his wife 
sees them and lets her imagination run wild. And at one point during the meal, the group, they're laughing. And in a single instance, the man puts his hand on the woman sitting next to him on her forearm just momentarily. He doesn't grab it. He just barely touches it. And before he gets home that evening, his wife's friend will have reported this incident to his wife, driving her suspicions to question him when he walks in the door. And here he is shocked that anybody would dare think that he's acting inappropriately with a coworker or that he's behaving badly toward his own wife by flirting with other women. Now he's attempting to defend himself. Now he is attempting to convey what properly happened. You think he's got a chance? <laughs> you think he's got a chance of being persuaded, being persuasive? A joke was told by the woman seated to his right, the woman whose forearm he just glanced. And as the table's laughing, he reacts by what he describes as, you know, pushing her arm in a gesture that many of us use to say, you know, stop it. And besides, he argues how crazy, how crazy would a man have to be to dine with three female coworkers and publicly behave inappropriately with any of them? Okay. Well, his wife, she's now overly sensitive. She's quite paranoid. Thanks to her friend. And depending on how much he loves her, how much she loves him, how much she trusts him, this seemingly innocent lunch, it could spiral very quickly out of control. Now, we can say, well, that's silly. It may be. But these things happen. I have known men who experience this. Well, I know I haven't because I don't eat lunch. <laughs> I mean, haven't you seen something or heard something and you've drawn an incorrect conclusion? You've connected dots that didn't connect. Sure. We've all done this. I mean, everybody who's old enough to have any self-awareness at all, we've done it. You know, we hear, we, we hear some sliver, some fragment of a conversation and we assume that people are talking about one thing only to find out perhaps later, they weren't talking about that at all. They were talking about something completely different. It happens. And when we learn of this, we feel foolish because, okay, we, we had it all wrong and you would think we would learn, but we don't because you know what we're going to do. Yeah, of course, we're going to get it wrong the next time too. Now think of all the times that such things might be happening all the time, constantly, but we never find out we had it wrong. I mean, I'm at least thankful for the times that I drew a conclusion and I found out that I had it wrong. But it makes me wonder about all the times that I drew a conclusion and I never, I never was a, I never did prove that I was wrong, but what if I was, you know, we walk away thinking that we know exactly what they were talking about. We know exact, I know exactly what I'm seeing here. And then maybe we repeat it to somebody and then they tell somebody and all the while we're spreading something that's completely inaccurate but we're convinced we've got it right. What if we don't? Sometimes people convince themselves they know the truth. And as I said, there's been study after study after study that proves that as human beings, we are not the greatest lie detectors on the planet. Sometimes we're wrong, but we do have the capacity to convince ourselves of a lot of things. I mean, remember men used to think the world was held by Atlas while standing on a turtle 
and then sophistication and knowledge kicked in, right? Then brilliance and wisdom kicked in. And then we thought the world's flat. Well, that's a much better truth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let me give you a couple more Bible verses. Cause if people would just read the scripture, you'd, you'd know they would ancient man would have known this. Isaiah 40, verse 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, the circle of the earth, not the flatness of the earth, the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in Job 26, seven, he stretched out the North over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. These two scriptures alone teach us that the world is round. It's a sphere. And it hangs on nothing. Atlas isn't holding the earth, standing on the back of a turtle. Yeah, if men only read their Bibles, they would have known. But instead, it just seemed wiser. We'll create a truth. It's not truth at all. And we'll believe it. Well, so it goes with delusions. So it goes with suppositions. So it goes with assumptions. We are sometimes convinced that we absolutely know the truth. We absolutely know what's happening here. We know what is real, but sometimes we're wrong. Dealing with false accusers, it it requires understanding context. In my coaching practice, I very regularly, and I did this, I came up with this decades ago, and there's nothing brilliant about it because I don't profess to be brilliant. The progression, I call it a progression of leadership, begins with humility because if there is no humility, everything else fails. And the next step beyond humility is curiosity for a very simple reason. If I lack humility, I'm not curious. I'm not going to ask any questions. I already know the answers. I'm the smartest guy in the room. I don't need to ask any questions. I already know what's going on here. Well, that's a loss of humility, which drives away curiosity and without curiosity i don't have any real way to gain knowledge you know the reason that your little kids grow and learn so much so quickly yeah they pepper you with questions right i mean that two-year-old is you know everything's why okay why because after curiosity comes knowledge and after knowledge comes now i understand And the pinnacle of it all in my progression of leadership is compassion. Because if I don't have humility to have curiosity, to ask the questions, to seek the knowledge, which gives me understanding, there's no way I'm going to have compassion. No, I'm going to have judgment. I know exactly what's going on here. I've never been hauled off to jail. I've never been charged with a crime. Uh, it hasn't happened. I certainly don't know what it is to be hauled off to jail, to be charged with a crime, knowing that I'm innocent. But if we suppose that we are falsely accused, we're arrested. I mean, that that's a category that's more serious than anything I've ever endured. I would suppose it's more serious than anything you've ever endured. But if it happened, I've watched enough cop shows. I know that I would not open my mouth except to say, I want my lawyer. Right. I mean, why would anybody even open their mouth except to say, give me my attorney (laughs) after all the cop shows that we've seen. 
And then I would do whatever I had to in order to secure the services of the biggest, baddest criminal defense attorney that I could afford. I mean, I wouldn't want just anybody, would you? Not when your freedom's at risk. And you would think, well, you just rely on your innocence to bring you a victory. Eh, no, we've, we've, again, we've watched too many cop shows to know that that does not always work out. So what would you do? You probably do what many people do. You'd mortgage everything that you own in order to defend yourself so you could stay free and you would defend yourself from a wrongful conviction. And even then, even if you did that, you still might find yourself behind bars. You still might find yourself convicted because it happens. It happens. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, you just give yourself the best shot. What else are you going to do? Thankfully, most of us, we don't have to endure that degree of false accusation. No, our suffering is at much, much, much lower levels, and it involves a whole lot less risk. You know, somebody at work, they say something about us. They falsely accuse us. What do we do? What should we do? Well, it depends on what it is. It depends on the context of it. I mean, you know, if I'm accused of stealing somebody's parking space once, and that accusation was made by one coworker to another in some casual conversation, I'm probably ignoring it. I mean, why respond? Why, why pick a fight? I mean, that, that context just does not seem worth it. If I'm accused of stealing off supplies by a coworker who submits some written report to some supervisor, somebody in management about it. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm lining up my defenses. I'm going to go on the attack. As I'm thinking about this. And as I thought about this, when I first did this back in 2014, I'm thinking about a few factors here, and I think these are worth considering. Number one, how serious is the charge? You know, I know people can get really wrapped around the axle of justice and all that and injustice and every fight's worth fighting. I, I, I just don't, I personally don't agree. It's not how I choose to live. You can live any way you want to, but do you really want to devote your life to answering every false accusation? I just don't think it's profitable to treat everything equally. So I don't, I also learned a long, long time ago that if you're going to do anything, anything, you are going to get falsely accused. And then if you don't do anything, you're also going to be falsely accused. So no, no matter which way you turn, you're going to suffer this. <laughs> if the charge is serious, I'm going to weigh the severity of the charge. Right. I mean, if it's significant and it also depends on who it is making the accusation, uh, it, if it's significant, but the person just has an ax to grind, I'm probably not going to be too bothered with it. If it's some insignificant thing, like, you know, like stealing a parking space. Eh, okay. I mean, an awful lot of things you just let go, right? So how serious is the charge? Number two, to whom is the false accusation made? I mean, is it, so you've got a woman who sees a husband at lunch with female coworkers and she runs to the wife. I mean, is it closely held by one person to another? Is it more widespread again? You know, that if it's insignificant, I'm not likely to care myself about it, but I'm likely going to consider another factor before I even too much bothered with, okay, to whom is this false accusation made? 
I mean, is it made to me? Is it made to other? Is it, what, what's the, what's the spread of this thing? And that third thing is what are the consequences? Now, this is where it gets really sticky because sometimes molehills turn into mountains and they do it because, well, we don't do what Barney always urged Andy to do, you know, nip it, nip it in the bud. And because we don't, it can really grow. I have seen even innocuous false accusations mushroom out of control because people didn't make any effort to extinguish them early on. And consequences, it seems to me, are mostly determined by a couple of factors. A seemingly minor false accusation could require some proactive handling because, well, the scope of the people involved, right? I mean, this is where wisdom and judgment kind of helps. So if we carefully survey the people that are involved, well, the magnitude of the accusation and the potential downside, we got to weigh that if we let it linger, right? Because if, if something involves an awful lot of people, that's worse than if it doesn't. I saw a quote says a clear conscience laughs at false accusations. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I think for me, at least better said a clear conscience should laugh at, well, that may not even be true either. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that quote. It's a popular notion. I will tell you, I don't agree with it. It certainly is not true in my life. I just don't think there's anything funny about false accusations. And many times we would be better to do a lot more than laugh at them. If we're going to properly handle them, you know, it's, it's just, there's so many ditties that we hear and they sound smart. They sound wise, but they're really stupid. You know, for a long time, I've thought about doing some entire show on nothing more than the things that we say and they sound smart, but they really aren't. They're really stupid. Right off the top of my head, I can think of three. I, I hear these all the time. Life is a journey, not a destination. The journey is the reward. Really? I mean, I don't think so. Go on a vacation, tell the kids we're just going to enjoy the trip. No, they're ready to get to Disneyland. I mean, even kids know that's not right. You know, that's not right either. And that's why you can't wait to get there. Then there's this one. If I can do it, anybody can. Well, that depends on who you are. We're not all created equally. Einstein discovered some things that, well, I couldn't. I'm betting you couldn't either. And then there's this one. It's always darkest before dawn. You know, here in Texas, we get thunderstorms. We get tornadoes, especially in the springtime. And it can get dark very quickly. And then comes the thunder and the lightning. We rank right behind Florida in injuries and death from lightning strikes. But high winds and tornadoes, they're more devastating. It's dark before the storm, and besides, before dawn, the skies always grow lighter, not darker. But it sounds, it sounds wise, right? It's always darkest before dawn. No, it's really not. <laughs> but that's how it is with you know this witty phrase about laughing at false accusations. A clear conscience laughs at false accusations. If we go back to this young man accused in the podcast serial, he appears to have a clear conscience, but no amount of laughing is going to get him released from this prison sentence. And we would all be foolish to simply dismiss every false accusation. Now, it doesn't mean that we jump on them like, you know, some 
famous brand might defend itself against the slightest trademark infringement. You know, some fights just aren't worth it, but others are some false, false accusations. They can just eat you alive and others. Okay. They're just kind of annoying. Once I was facing a false accusation from somebody who believed the earth was flat. Well, there was no convincing him otherwise. And the hardest part about it was that it didn't involve a specific false accusation. In fact, the person refused to say what it was that he had against me. He simply objected to my being approved for something because he knew things. He knew things. No, he didn't really believe the earth was flat, but he may as well have. (laughs) So I go to this person privately and ask him to tell me, okay, what have I done? I I, want to make it right. No, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you, you know. I'm like, no, I, I really don't know. I don't have a clue. I, I trust me. I do not have a clue what you're talking about. He refused. Okay. Well, I did what I thought was the wise thing to do. I asked somebody if they would mediate, well, you know, will you sit down with both of us and see if we can't figure this out for more than an hour. This poor, this poor fellow tried to try to facilitate some peaceful remedy here. And again, the person just would not budge, would not budge at all. Still objected and didn't have any specific accusations, would not utter, would not enumerate what the specific accusation was. And eventually, you know, I just had to let it go. I mean, what else are you going to do? Uh, during that time, my son, who was still living at home, he's grown and got three kids of his own now, but he and I were talking one day and we were, we were talking about this specific topic of being falsely accused of things. And I told him, I told him what I believe is truth and what I believe is wise. And and I still believe it. If you're going to do anything to make a difference, you're going to upset people. I mean, people are going to aim their arrows at you, but the option is to do nothing. And that just doesn't work. So you need to grow up and you need to prepare to defend yourself if you must. And along the way, you need to try to grow some thick skin. Well, you know, it's been well over 20 years, uh, since my son and I had that conversation, but nothing's changed really. And not certainly nothing has presented itself to change my mind. I still think it's the way to go. You know, for me, it's no longer about justice. It's not really about injustice. It's about being able to do the right thing. It's about being able to refuse to let the false accusers get in your way. And I have learned this since I recorded this in 2014, these thoughts, the first time I have learned that letting false accusers win is, is a fool's errand because it, it adds fuel to their fire. You know, I used to think that peace and acquiescence and all of that probably was a better way to go, but life has taught me that may not always be true. It may not always be true. In fact, there is empirical evidence that proves that when we are silent, people tend to judge us as guilty, even if we're not. And I know why I sort of lean in that direction. I lean in that direction because as a lifelong Christian, We look at Christ as our example and the Lord in his illegal trial before his crucifixion, uh, did not defend himself. Now I'm in no way, trust me on this. I am in no way drawing a parallel between our lives and his life. 
he, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Uh, we're not. So that's a, that's a huge, huge, huge difference. He he was, he was fulfilling this mission. We are fulfilling a mission as well by trying to live faithfully for him and serve God through him, but it's different, but I hope you understand the point. You know, we can, I can connect a dot and say, well, as a Christian, you know, should I defend myself against every, any, any, and every false accusation? Uh, I will tell you that there've been some, I haven't and some I have. And again, it depends on the severity. It depends on, you know, what's, what's the accusation? Is it minuscule? Is it petty? Is it, you know, what is it? How, how serious is this? I've just learned that sometimes people and sometimes things get in our way and sometimes they get in our way purposefully. Sometimes people do want to do you harm. They just do. They just do. And every human being suffers it. We all do. We all suffer some injustice, somebody that just, for whatever reason, they just have it out for you. I mean, we talked last week about helpful and harmful, and I don't know what to tell you other than in my life, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, I want to make sure that I'm not, that's not me. I want to make sure I'm not in that camp. I want to make sure that I find my way around these hurdles and that I just continue to do what I know is right and true. And do I always get it right? Am I always true? No, of course not. I'm a human just like you. Sometimes I get it wrong. It has compelled me over the course of time to work very, very diligently to be less judgmental, to try to be more discerning, knowing there are things here that I don't know. There are matters of curiosity that may never be satisfied. So I'd better tread very, very, very carefully in connecting dots and in thinking, I know what's going on here because I may, I may have it wrong. How do you deal with false accusers? And we didn't talk much about it, but how do you deal if you realize you are guilty of falsely accusing? I mean, I would suspect most of us have been there too. Not only are we subjected to false accusation, there are times that we get it wrong. We draw some conclusion about somebody. We think we got it all figured out. We know what's going on here. Oops. Not so much. Leaning toward wisdom, it is modern tales of an ancient pursuit. Next week's Thanksgiving. Got plans? Of course you do. I do too. Not sure what all they are, but I'll be stepping away. You won't hear from me for a week or two or maybe even three. Who knows? You know how it goes around here. When the moment hits, 
I hit record, and if the moment doesn't hit, I don't hit record. So there's that. I'm glad that you are listening today. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. If you visit the website, click on that Facebook icon. It will take you over to the Facebook group. There's, I don't know, 150 people or so. It's not a big group. But I'd love for you to be part of it. I'm glad that you gave me your time and attention today and hope that the podcast is helping you do exactly what the title says, lean more toward wisdom and lean away from your own foolishness. We've all got plenty of foolishness to lean away from. And I'm, I'm the leader of the pack, so fall in line behind me. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Welcome.